0: The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management.
1: It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air.
3: Yes, indeed. Welcome to another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show on this 4th of July weekend with Larry Rosenthal himself waving his American flag here this morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning,
2: Chris. How are you today? I'm feeling very 4th of July patriotic kind of today. I hear I like the sound effects, the music. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you go see somebody's fireworks or do you light off your own? Yes and yes. Sometimes uh, we'll uh,
3: we'll go out and see whatever the municipality we happen to be in at the time and then we'll usually do some fireworks ourselves as well. Fun. How about you? What do you do? Yep, a little bit of both. Sounds good. Well, you well, I know you, you're one of these guys is like you, you want the Mac Daddy of everything. So you'll have you'll probably have uh you know, like a truckload of fireworks that you'll set off yourself. No, not at all. No? Not at all. Uh-uh. uh uh okay. I rather sit back and enjoy them. Just watch them yeah it's fun when you have little ones you know the sparklers and the kiddos and those are always lots of fun yeah yeah as long as they're not afraid of them right yeah
2: yeah and they're safe you got to be safe but there's still a lot of fun though it's just a great time of year Absolutely it is, absolutely it is. Well, welcome everyone to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show, this 4th of July weekend. Today's the first day of July, so looking forward to the 4th of July coming up. And, you know, what a great uh, great time to have the 4th of July, like on a Tuesday, you know, sort of, you know, well, what do we do Monday for work, what about Wednesday, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're so working
3: I th- Monday? <laughs>
2: I think. Uh, <laughs> Take a week I, off.
3: Yeah, yeah, there you it's, go. Because so 4th I of July holiday's in the middle of the week, it's different this year, so it's, you know. Yeah, it's
2: good. Yeah. It's good good timing. So hey got some news in the markets, some some interesting thing. They say that history doesn't really repeat itself, it rhymes, and it's true. You know, uh the, the history is starting to rhyme a little bit. If you recall back in two thousand and thirteen, it was actually June of two thousand and thirteen, then at the time Ben Bernanke was the Federal Reserve Chair. And he actually said in a, in a speech once that they were considering tapering down their bond-buying program. And kaboom, what happened was the markets <laughs> fell about 5.8% the next couple of days because he was sort of – it was interpreted as he is taking away you know the spiking of the punch bowl. He's taking away loose monetary policy, accommodative monetary policy. The Fed wasn't going to be pushing out money anymore. yeah talk about pressure on a poor guy i mean exactly exactly you know but yet you know all he said was we're considering tapering it down now this was different programs that came out of the financial crisis in 2008 that the fed jumped in and and rescued and and things like that and at the same time now we're we we he, he mentions it but they didn't do it for another couple of years or so and the market still continued to do what it was doing and and now we're starting to hear that from central bankers all around the globe you know central bankers are are turning hawkish are they leaving the nest what's going on here wow in other words you know our federal reserve in the US our monetary policy has changed to a rising interest rate policy um the Fed is talking about uh, letting some of its bonds mature and, and starting to sell some of the bonds that they picked up in the financial crisis, and they're doing this in, in an attempt you know, to, to lower their balance sheet, get their ducks in a row pretty much, and at the same time, it, it's anticipated that it could push up long-term interest rates, while across the pond here in Europe, you have other nations talking about starting to raise their rates or, or not buying as many government bonds in their nations. In other words, it looks like the the easiness of monetary policy around the globe is starting to wane a little bit, and this has stock investors a little jittery, a little nervous, because we're going to take a little quiz here later this morning, Chris, and you'll see that as, well, I'll give away one answer now, that stock prices do not like rising interest rates, which is kind of an interesting thing. So, you know, the the Fed's looking at the values of, of uh, you know, there's some word out there now that the Federal Reserve's going, well, valuations might be a little bit too high, uh, not enough inflation to justify raising, but they want to get rates back to a more normalized zone. So we we'll have to wait and see what happens here. So yeah, you
3: got to be careful in tweaking that carburetor. We don't want to.
2: Yep, you cannot fight the Fed, but at yeah. the same time, I'm not saying the markets are coming down by any means, and I'm not saying that rates are going through the roof by any means. I'm just simply saying that some people are ahead of this, and they're saying, you know, hey, uh, you know, paranoia, that type of thing, and and uh, that is not the case here. At all, so the central bankers have have gotten it right so far, and uh, we'll just you know play it out week by week as we do here on, on the show. So at the end of the day, still make sure that your portfolios are diversified. That we're in a rising interest rate environment, so make sure that your investments are appropriately positioned for that. That's all, um, you know. So at, at the end of the day, still also, Chris, you know the the economy doesn't show any signs of. Um, or very little signs, I should say, about it, a recession or, or anything like that. So things look pretty good, pretty optimistic for the next 18 months or so, but anything can happen. That's why you want to stay diversified. You so I always try to start off the show with oh, sorry. a little bit of economic news of what's going on in the markets, the economies, and stuff like that. So yeah. a little bit of change here in in wording. Uh, from from uh, different news outlets trying to get information from, from central bankers. But still, all in all, uh, monetary policy is very accommodative. Rates are very low. Taxes are even low. Uh, so things look pretty good going do you, forward. Do you think that this health care debate, or even if it's voted up or voted down, will have
3: much of an effect? I know some geopolitical things do. I'm just wondering about this one.
2: You know, Chris, what has effects on the markets is whether or not Businesses and individuals have the ability to spend. Um, so, if if the 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 answer to your question is no, uh, I I don't think it's going to have that big of an effect on the market. This is more of a political okay. uh, scenario of of you know trying to get something right, something that's that's uh, very near and dear to everyone's heart. And that that is good quality health care, That's for sure. How do we pay for it? Who should pay for it? what types of services should we have you know all that type of stuff so it, it it's it's a big big um uh, it's very big it's very wide and very deep and yeah, how to how ship. to figure out the answer i don't have the answer i don't know anybody who really has this are you
3: uh, sort before. of waving people off with of the healthcare sector a little bit during this time or not really actually
2: no you know we we personally like uh one of the pieces in the healthcare sector we we like uh, the biotech sector Mm-hmm. and uh have been there for a while continue to be there. Gotcha. So it's it's done very very well as far as its performance goes, you know. So there's lots of different pieces in the pie in the healthcare sector and uh just depends on where you where you want to be. But you know one thing's for sure you've got a lot of baby boomers aging Okay, and uh, yes, Bob, even you back there. Nice. Right? It's crazy. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bob's forever like 29. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so, he's, he's not losing uh, any of his but, hair. But yeah, so so healthcare is, is something that's driving. I don't believe as as a uh, you know as as humans around the globe, especially here in the U.S., that we are done developing better healthcare. You know, better ways to extend life and quality of life so I, I like that sector just from that standpoint, just from the demographics, mm-hmm. you know government money and research, private sector research dollars going into it so it's 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 a uh, you know good good asset class to be involved in to answer got your you, question you. yep, absolutely hey, you know what let 's do this today chris let 's open up the phone lines here we 're going to take a quick break. And uh, we've talked a little about the markets, the economy. Give us a call here this morning with any of your questions on financial planning, the markets, the economy, the debates that are going up on the Hill with taxes and health care, whatever it may be. Give us a call this morning at 855-ROSE-123, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment.
1: In a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of
4: something big? Nonprofit organization called STARS Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life?
3: Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise?
4: Now you can be part of something that brings hope.
3: What we do is we actually pay for the school fees.
4: For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year.
3: We pay for the school fees. And that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the the uniform, that whole thing.
4: Call now, 703-201-2494 or go to starschildrenafrica.org.
3: For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school.
4: 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494.
3: You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show here on a Fourth of July weekend. We so appreciate you listening each and every week on this program. For our financial and retirement expert here in studio, you can ask any questions. And the phone number here is 855-767-3123.
2: 855-ROSE-123. Larry? Sure, Chris. Let's welcome Jim on the line, Good or Jim or Jay. Jay. Good morning, Jay. How are you?
5: Good morning, uh, Chris and Larry. My question has to do with a Roth IRA. Now, depending on where you purchase the IRA, will the rates change, or are they the same across the board no matter where you uh, purchase the IRA?
2: Jay, that's a very good question. A lot of people are confused about the, quote-unquote, product of an IRA or a Roth IRA, traditional IRA, non-deductible IRA. So the answer to your question specifically, and then I'm going to break it down a little bit, is, yes, your rates of return will vary, but not necessarily depending on where you purchase it. You can purchase it at ABC Bank or XYZ Brokerage House or DEF Financial Planner, right? But what determines the rate of return inside the Roth IRA are the investments that you place into the IRA. For example, you can go to a bank and say, hey, I would like to open up a Roth IRA, and they're going to put you into a bank-type product, maybe a CD. So you're going to get a CD rate of return. Or you could talk to that very same bank and say, you know what, I don't want a CD driving the rate of return. I want to buy a stock that performance will buy the, will, will drive the rate of return or you can go to a financial advisor or a wirehouse and you can say I'd like to buy a Roth IRA they too can put you into a CD or a stock or a bond or whatever it is so Jay, the, the question is the, the the scenario is not where you buy it gets you the rate of return it's what you put into it where you buy it gets you the rate of return does that make sense
5: it makes absolute sense. Thank you so very much.
2: You're welcome. And if you'd like, I'll send you out some information on Roth IRAs, uh, you know, who can buy them and the limits and, and all that kind of stuff. If you'd like, I'd be happy to to uh, email you out some information there. I'll just put you on hold a second here. So I appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855 rose 123 855 7673123 with any of your financial planning or investment questions at all and that's chris typical one one of the things that we've seen a lot over the years is people don't understand they think they're buying the Roth IRA or they're buying yeah. their IRA uh because you know banks have done a great job si- putting in the yeah. windows Marketing it's tax season it. come yeah. in and buy your ira and ultimately what happens is you have this thing sitting in there <laughs> nothing in it <laughs> for 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 you know at a, at a very low rate of return for yeah. a long long period of time you know there's a, there's an old uh an old thing uh that that uh I should try to pull this up it was the $300,000 toaster you ever seen the $300,000 toaster? I haven't, but it sounds like it might be. Oh yeah, Banks years ago used to give away a toaster. You know, if you came in and opened up a CD with them, oh, you, know, you got a toaster. And you keep that money there for twenty or thirty years, and you keep putting money into the CD, and ultimately, had you done that in the market, you'd have a difference of you know lots of money. So they call it the three hundred thousand dollar toaster wow. uh, that you paid for, or whatever. But anyway, sort sort of a little joke there. But you know, there's nothing wrong with having money uh, in, in the investment at the bank or the wirehouse or an independent financial advisor or whatever. But the the underlying key is. It's the investments inside that are ultimately driving the rate of return. Hey, some good news here, too. Coming down the home stretch, we started the second half of the season today, the second half of this this year, calendar year, right? Mm -hmm. And 73% of the time since 1950, the S&P 500, when it's closed up, it made its peak returns in the second half of the year. Well, that is good news. That we're, is very good news because today we're starting the second half of the year. We can expect so, that. We're yeah, just, so is that trend going to continue? Who knows? Well,
4: the Redskins is well, It's just play. kind of fun
2: <laughs> to, to throw out there a little bit of these stats from time to time. You know, people are always asking me, you know, well, if this happens and that happens, how does that indicate what's going to go on in the stock market? Usually it doesn't, uh, but it's often awful. You know, a lot of times it's a lot of fun to to take a look at all that uh, when it, when it comes down to it, basically. You have to follow these people around, these governors and folks like that. And if they make a, a weave or a wag or a
3: turn or a left or a right turn, then, you know, it seems like people just prognosticate what's going to happen
2: based off of just little <laughs> movements here and there. So, hey, we opened up our email bag, too, a few weeks ago. Yes, we used sir. to do this years ago on, on the show. Lots of people would go to my website, larryrosenthal.com, and they'd shoot me off an email asking some questions. And I uh, got some questions here uh this this week here some and and I want to read one of them off here real quick. So sometimes when the Dow Jones goes up, my mutual funds goes down, and vice versa. Why is that and And the answer is very simple: you know the Dow only has thirty stocks in it. Now a lot of those stocks are also in the S and P and other other indices, but but the Dow only has thirty stocks in it. So you could actually be investing in maybe small company mutual funds, small company stock mutual funds, has no relationship to the Dow Jones Industrial Average whatsoever, because the Dow is the thirty largest stocks, uh, thirty largest companies, excuse me, that are inside the index. So so you could again you could be investing in small mid cap international. You could even be investing in an S&P 500 fund, and it could actually, depending on the weighting of the fund, not necessarily reflect anything that's – or or close to what's going on in the Dow. So so the Dow and the S&P 500 and the Russell Index and the NASDAQ and the Wilshire 5000, they're just market indices that give us the overall breadth of what's happening in that sector – and a lot of times chris people think the dow you know what it's 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 the first one out there it's the oldest most prestigious and a lot of people say you know well hey the market went up today they're they're uh defaulting to meaning the dow okay uh so so a lot of times when people say what the market do the answer is oh it was up 20 points they're meaning the dow jones right mm-hmm. or if they were to say oh the, the the dow was up or or the market was up 20 and the s&p was up 5 so so that would be a, a, you know, the way you differentiate it out there. But what's the index that has the greatest breadth of the market? It's not the Dow. It's not the S&P 500. It's not even the NASDAQ. It's the Wilshire 5000. That holds 5,000 stocks inside of it and gives a much broader indication of the overall market. Yet you never see it published, do you? You never see it uh, on TV. People talk about the Wilshire 5000 and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. You don't see that. You just see mainly the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P 500, um, which gives us good breadth of it all. But the, remember, the S&P 500 is carrying 500 different stocks while the Dow is only carrying 30 stocks. So the S&P gives us a much better view or better breadth or better insight into that day, what's happened in the in the marketplace. So, So, again, that's the reason why. You might not be invested. Your mutual funds may not even be invested in the Dow when you're when you're really taking a look at it. You know, it, so. I always wondered what Dow actually meant. And
3: the other day, I looked it up. It's actually about a person. It's not a three-letter acronym like you would think. It's Charles Dow. You probably knew that.
2: Yes, uh, yes, it was. Uh, I, I knew it was a person. I forgot his first name, but yes, Charles Henry Dow. Yeah, I always thought that was interesting because there's
3: the, the, all these Wall Street terms you throw out now, and again, it's kind of interesting to kind of dig down on them and figure
2: out where they came from. So that's.
4: That's where that one came from
2: well yeah. yeah so so there's a lot of also there's a lot of uh, uh, you know mathematical formulas that are named after people you know mm-hmm. uh, William sharp the sharp ratio you know all these different terms and things like that that people throw around all the time in the back offices of where I work and and the the, the Wall Street lingo well, I know
3: you're like smart that. but boy it look it makes you look smart when you
2: can throw these around that's for sure. Well, I always knew you were smart It doesn't anyway. do you any good to talk this talk if people don't understand what you're talking about. So gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's part of the key, and that's, you know, that's one of the things in our industry that, that a lot of people will, will express from time to time is they'll say, yeah, I was working with a financial advisor, and I didn't really understand what he or she was saying a lot of the times. And, and when you don't understand what your financial advisor is telling you, please speak up and let them know you know you're sitting there when when you're doing a review with a with with your financial advisor whether it's over the phone or face to face whatever the story may be and they're talking about concepts or programs or even products that you don't understand you need to you need to you know Be an advocate for yourself and say, sorry, but can you explain this to me a different way? Can you maybe, you know, look at it in a different way? Do you have an illustration of something that you can show me, a product brochure? Can you explain to me some of these terms that you're using? Break it down a little bit for me. Um, A lot of people... You know, they, they they when they're out interviewing financial advisors, they will say that oftentimes the advisors are talking over their head. It's not it's not that the advisor's so uber smart or anything. It's just a different language, and the advisor's job really has to be to take very complicated subjects and products and things like that in the economy and break it down for people so they can understand it very very well i'm guessing people don't want to think that feel dumb and so they think well yeah
3: if i just act like i understand it then you know but then you don't learn anything and not everybody can know everything so that's
2: exactly right that that is right and, then, and, and and when it comes to investor behavior, now we can get into a little investor behavior talk. In, investors do a lot of different things, and this is one of the things that, that you may – those of you listening may want to ask yourself, what type of an investor am I when it comes to this subject here about the delegation of my investment decisions? some people say you know to their financial advisor hey larry i want you to do everything you make the decisions you know what my goals are my risk levels all that kind of stuff my my liquidity needs you make the decisions you buy and sell the investments you know i'll just meet with you from time to time and we'll just go over it and discuss changes in my life and things like that and different goals and stuff like that whereas other people are at the other end where they they want to Know every decision, know every you know what 's going on, be informed about it all, and learn as much as they possibly can and there's really nothing wrong with any either one or anything in between on that needle on that needle mm-hmm, range. Mm-hmm. So ask yourself, what type of an investor am I? What do you want to get out of the relationship with your financial advisor? What do you want to get out of the relationship with you and your money? doing it yourself, you know, or or working with a financial advisor. Those are the types of questions you need to ask so that you can sort of put parameters or bookends, if you will, around your expectations, what your responsibility is, what you want your advisor's responsibility to be, too, as well. Make sure that you and your advisor are on the same page when it comes down to understanding you know what your objectives truly are and what your real risk tolerance really is. So, very, very important to to do that. And remember, at the end of the day, it's still the Lord's money anyway, mm-hmm. and we're charged to be good stewards with it all. And that's what we ultimately have to have to do to act uh, appropriately with our dollars. So, I mean, hey, we're, to we're gonna take a quick break here. Let's. Uh, and by the way, if you want to uh, send off an, an email, go to my website Rosenthal dot com and just shoot me off an email. And uh, I've got a couple more here that I can read uh, today, but I'd like you to you know, go to the website, LarryRosenthal.com, shoot off an email, and I'll be happy to send you out information on it all or bring it out live next week on the radio show. So let's take a quick break, Chris. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Keep the phones lit up this weekend, 4th of July, 855-ROSE-123. You've got to make Bob work back there. <laughs>
1: you listen to Making Money Sense. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment.
2: Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Tarot at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller... Your loan is already pre-approved, and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan-first pre-approved certificate. 571-490-7117. Or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan-first certificate. Call Troy Tarrou at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy
4: Tarrou and McLean Mortgage Corporation's NMLS number 5618 and 99665. For more information about how Larry and his team can help you, go to LarryRosenthal.com. It is a 4th of July
3: weekend, and you are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, we have some lines available for you to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio, Larry Rosenthal. Here is that number, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Call right now. I've got some lines available for you to talk to Larry. Larry?
2: Sure, Chris. In Mark 8, uh, Chapter 8, Verse 36, it says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul, let's think about that when it comes time to, you know, managing our dollars, whose responsibility it is, you know, what our responsibility is with it, I should say, and, uh, you know, to be good stewards for what the Lord has given us. And that sort of breaches into, you know, sort of a thing I want to talk about today a little bit of, you know, hey, look out, surprise, it's retirement time. (laughs) What are you talking about? Surprise, it's retirement time. Lots of stats are out here right now, and this is by uh, EBRI, Employee Benefit Research Institution, uh, end of 2016, latest data that we have on the expectations and the reality of why people retire and when they retire. And it's, it's interesting to see this breakout on the, on the charts here because people that, that, first of all, workers expected to retire before age 60. Okay, were actually 8%. So 8% of the people surveyed said, hey, you know what, we're going to retire before age 60. The reality is 35% of them retired before age 60. Sounds pretty interesting, doesn't it? But a lot of people have retired before, and, and, and that's before age 60. Then you take the ages 60 to 64. 16% Sixteen percent people said, "Yeah, I'm going to retire sometime between the age of 60 and 64," and the reality is, 34 percent of those retired between age 60 and 64. So you've got people. You've got 35 percent of the people retiring before age 60, 34 percent retiring before age between age 60. Wow, that's a and big 64. number. You add those
3: together. My goodness,
2: two big numbers. That's exactly right. So when you stop and you take a look at why this is. And it's 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 due to a, it's due to a handful of things. Uh, one of them is health problems or right. disability. Another one is company downsizing or closures. Hmm. Another one is skills in the workplace changing and you not keeping up. Okay, and then and then uh, the fourth one is having to take care of a spouse or family member. Hmm. So a lot of the people that retired under age sixty four basically did not retire by choice. They retired for an, out, an external factor that forced them into retirement. Okay? So that's why this thing's called surprise retirement, right? Are you ready for retirement? That's close to 70%. You had those two numbers together, right? It is. Yep, wow, it is. Wow, that's a big, big number. It is. So, So – Six so people at age six people that were, were asked, Are you gonna retire at sixty five? Twenty six percent of the people said, Yeah, I'm retiring at sixty five, when the reality is only eight percent of them retired at sixty five. Okay. Seven percent retired between sixty six and sixty nine, and eight percent retired over age seventy. So the majority of people are retiring well before that sixty five mark. Well before sixty five, but not for the reasons that they thought. They thought that they would be retiring after, because they've saved money, but they didn't get to that point. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important to make sure that you have your financial plan laid out in front of you. You never know what's going to be down the road and around the corner when it comes to your ability to work or or your desire to work because you may be able, you may need to to lend assistance to a, a family member or a friend or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, so lots of different scenarios there and and you can back into this by by looking at at you know how many people have been working from a financial plan you know understanding their cash flow needs their their risk levels and stuff like that it's and it's important to to really look at and and one of the things that that you can, that, that the, one of the values that a financial plan really brings to the table for people is functionally it just draws a line in the sand and says, hey, if I keep on doing what I've been doing, where will I be down the road and how will that work for me? Do I like my current standard of living? How do I make sure that my current standard of living is the reality of my standard of living when I stop working and I'm in retirement mm-hmm. for 25 or 30 years, Lord willing, right? So so how do you figure this stuff out? How do you go about doing that? I was explaining to somebody the other day, showing them some, some illustrations and things, that it's not necessarily the average rate of return that you get in your retirement years, but it's the sequencing of your returns – that you get when you're com- when you're pulling dollars out. In other words, think about this, Chris. Let's suppose you average a six percent, just to make a hypothetical re- illustration here. You 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 run your spreadsheets and everything, and you say, "Hey, I need to get a six percent return." But in the first two years, let's suppose we go into a recession when you retire. Right, And now the, the first year the market's down 10%, the second year the market's down 7%, and you're withdrawing you know, 4% a year or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So think about how that could really impact a tremendous amount of principal of your dollars. So it's all due to the sequencing of returns of your money. So there's all different theories and and ways to go about withdrawing dollars in your retirement years. You know, Larry, I was just thinking about what you were saying, and I was realizing that in the
3: world there's something called disaster recovery, mostly in the computer world, right? If something goes down, you've got some plans for disaster recovery. In the financial world, you have to do the same thing, don't you? You have to find some way in which to protect your, your money if something were to go drastically
2: wrong. And I guess you have tools for that. The, the, well you have you have some tools basically products, and you have different different ways to go about investing and protecting your dollars when it comes to all of this you know what one, one one theory is in up years, continue selling off profits from time to time a couple of times a year and put that into what we would call a quiet pool or the bank mm-hmm. so that you can live off of that during the down years right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another way is to look at making sure that you have what you call a uh, a portfolio that infuses cash into your portfolios, into your from your investments into your, your portfolio. So you, you've got some good dividend-paying stocks. You've got some interest coming in from bonds, maybe some covered call writing and options. You've You've got a handful of different things that are just infusing cash into your portfolio so that when you're pulling money out, you're not actually selling shares, but you're just selling the earnings of those shares. Mm-hmm. Those are things that you can help that can help out, during a retirement uh when when the markets are down in a, in a down cycle so so there's a, a a few different scenarios here but my point here is the expectations and reality of retirement dates are way off right when it, when it comes to really obtaining that type of goal. That's why it's important. But they could come earlier
3: or they could come by accident. A lot of the,
2: what you were talking about, depending on the situation. So Correct. Yeah. Th- that's exactly correct, Chris. And that's why people really need to get their financial plans in order. If you want to get a copy of our financial planning toolkit, first of all, you can go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and click on the the video there on the home page. That demonstrates how our financial plan works. It actually goes out each night and uploads your your or downloads your your values and from all your different investments and your mortgage and your credit cards and everything and and gives you a financial plan that's up to date that's 24 hours old. And so when when you you have a, something like that that that's, that is that accurate and up to date it really enables you to make well some good spending decisions along the path of of life pretty much. So those are some of the things that you really want to look at. And, and the way you get start on that is we'll be happy to send you out our financial planning toolkit. If you want to get a copy of our financial planning toolkit, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. we we'll be happy to send you out our financial planning toolkit. It's going to help you get on the road to all of this stuff here. Uh, when it comes to the retirement planning and, and the lifestyle choices that you want to make in your retirement year. So definitely uh, something to really take a look at. The expectations and reality of the retirement date is far different than what people actually think. We'll take a quick break here. Give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. we we'll back in a moment with more Making Money Sense.
4: Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw in the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner, Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org this is the larry rosenthal show making money sense we have some lines
3: available for you right now if you'd like to dial in and talk to larry rosenthal about anything regarding your finances or anything with regarding the finances of the world or what's going on in the in the markets all those questions can be answered by our financial and retirement expert our phone number here again is 855-767-3123 855 rose 123
2: larry Good morning, Veronica. How are you today?
5: Uh, Good morning, Larry. I am fine. Um, I heard you talking about retirement, and then a question came to to my mind. Um, I'm uh, currently 63. I still work full-time, and I still have a mortgage on my home. And I was wondering whether it would be smart to go ahead and try to increase um, the principal payments on my mortgage just so to, you know, get that out of out of the way by the time I actually retire. I'm not even sure when I will retire. Um, but I currently have a 15-year conventional with about 9 year. Well, I guess about approximately uh, 10 years left on the mortgage. And I was wondering, what is the best way to go about doing that? I've heard that, you know, you just make an additional payment per year or just throw a little bit more um, at, at the principal. I, I just wanted to get your advice.
2: Sure, Veronica. There's a few different ways to accelerate down the payment of your mortgage. Do you want to stay in this house when you retire? Yes. Okay, so then what's your, since you're on a 15-year mortgage, one of the things that you can also, that that accelerates it obviously from a 30-year mortgage. But if you make an extra payment each year, that will accelerate it down as well. As long as you identify that payment as going to principal, okay. and you can also do biweekly payments as oh. also where you just take your mortgage payment, divide it in half and and pay it twenty six times a year so it's biweekly, that will effectively cram thirteen months of payments into a 12 month calendar period of time also okay? okay so so that's one way to go about doing it, okay. Um, and And I like the idea of being debt free especially in retirement years it It really takes the load off of it uh, there 's another there 's another strategy that 's called an equity endowment plan mm-hmm. and instead of taking the extra money and putting it into the house each month you know the the extra payment each year, whatever it may be, you take that and you put it into you know a balanced type of a mutual fund and the idea there is now. The you're getting compound interest growth on that money so that somewhere down the road you pull it out and you pay it off in a lump sum, the mortgage. Um, you know, If the markets cooperate, then that could work out a little bit faster for you, but there's no guarantee to the markets cooperating. So at the end of the day, the best thing from what it sounds like to me in your case, Veronica, is since you're not sure when you want to retire, I'd start to go ahead and prepaying the mortgage payment here because that'll that'll enable you to have sort of a guarantee time frame finish line as to when that mortgage will be retired for yourself okay Okay. okay.
5: and if i wanted to get more information about that equity endowment fund um would i just contact my financial advisor or my bank if your financial
2: advisor understands that there's nine different ways to manage equity inside of your home and an equity endowment strategy is one of them i can get you some information on that if you like i'll put you on hold and bob will get your information you can i'll send it out to you okay
5: okay thank you very much
2: yep happy fourth of july weekend veronica appreciate the phone call let me put you on hold here and we'll get you some info on the equity endowment uh information you listen to making money sense larry rosenthal show go ahead and give us a ring at 855 rose 123 that's 855-767-3123 on this fourth of july weekend so, Chris, are we going to finally invite over the listening audience of WAVA to your house this year for the 4th of July hot dog cook-off? Yeah, there's a big sign in my front
3: yard giving the exact address where you live
2: <laughs> for <laughs> this right. wonderful Sounds good. Thank you. Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, let's get into a touchy subject on oh, financial planning. How's no. that sound? There you go. Okay, I'm on the edge of my seat. You are on the edge of your seat. Well, should I give you my surprise quiz today or a touchy subject? <laughs> Let's do the touchy subject. Yeah. How does that sound? All right. Yeah. When a saver marries a spender, oh. every penny counts. Or when a spender marries a saver, every penny counts. Right? Yeah, of course. So I, I have to tell you that this is this is very interesting. And, I married the saver. I married. Well, that's good him. for you. Yeah, I did. So did I. Yeah. So that's that's very very good. Um you know, as long as you both line up that way, right? But a lot of times it doesn't really work out that way. You know, women tend to have less debt than men, better credit scores than men. Women also tend to have more credit cards available, but they're not necessarily racked up with as much debt as men have. I see. Okay. So it's kind of an interesting scenario here when you when or 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 a report when you take a look at all of this stuff. Um so so you know one of the things that that we're talking about here this morning is is when a saver marries a spender, both of them really need to be on the on the same page very very soon. Don't don't assume your spouse is on the same page as you are with your uh spending habits and 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 savings habits there's a whole lot of different questions that we can ask you know our our spouses and things like that when it when it comes to this And i'm talking to newly married people basically right now i want to take a break of that real quick let's let's uh, uh bring olivia on the line good morning olivia how are you today
6: good morning fine thank you thanks for taking my phone call um sure, sure. how I, can i help you my question is i have a 457 uh where i work And since when I retire, I assume the taxes will be higher and higher. They offered us a choice of getting into a Roth 457. So what happens tax-wise when we start uh, doing this for a Roth 457?
2: So, Olivia, when you put money on the Roth side of your retirement plan at work, that's after-tax money that's going in. And while it's in the account there, there are no taxes. In other words, it's growing tax-deferred, and then you can pull it out tax-free in your retirement years.
5: Okay. Uh, Yeah,
6: but uh, let's say for 20 years, I contributed to just the regular 457. Sure. Now, let's say maybe for six or eight years, I'll contribute to Roth 457. So. There will be does that mean that there will be two parts of money one where they will deduct the taxes and the other one where I will get the money just tax free
2: that is exactly correct that is exactly yeah. correct yep so so think about this so so the money that's gone in the into the traditional 457 you benefited from a tax deduction that year each year you put the money in but yeah. now when it comes out you've got to pay taxes on it Whereas on the Roth side, you're not benefiting for any contribution, but in retirement years, you're going to benefit from tax-free income. So you know, a lot of advisors out there – this is a great debate in my industry, Olivia. A lot of advisors will say put all your money on the pre-tax side because that gives you a current tax deduction today. And once you get that, no one can ever take it away from you. On the other hand, if taxes go up in in coming years – Uh, down the road in 20, 30 years in your retirement, you could actually lose that debate because now you're paying more taxes versus the deduction you got in. Other advisors say put all your money on the Roth side because no matter what happens to taxes down the road – you are getting a tax-free income stream in your retirement years, and your heirs can receive the dollars tax-free as well. Plus, today we're actually in some of the all-time low tax brackets, believe it or not. I particularly am a a financial advisor that likes both sides of the equation. I like people to have some money on the pre-tax and some money on the post-tax because nobody knows what a future Congress is going to do, with taxes, raising them up or down. So i like to get some tax deduction today and also like to have some pile of tax-free money down the road. Now, some clients view that as saying, well, I want more tax-free money. And they say, is that okay, Larry? And I'm like, sure, that's fine. And some clients say, no, I want a bigger tax deduction today. That's fine. You understand the, the difference. But in your case, Olivia, if you don't need the tax deduction today as much as you desire to have tax-free income down the road, then by all means, go ahead and start putting some of the money onto the Roth side of things, okay?
6: So maybe 50-50 would be a good choice?
2: It could be. It it could be on, on your future dollars going forward, but my question to you with that is, do you have to pay taxes in April each year, or do you get a refund? Oh,
6: th- that's my question. What happened in April last year? Let's say if I start doing a 50-50, I get less money?
2: Well, yeah. So so do you get oh. – when you put the money on the pre-tax side, did you get a tax refund? Yes. Okay. So then that tells me that you're overpaying your taxes throughout the year, so you can probably afford to put more money on the Roth side to get tax-free income. You'd get less of a deduction but we need to work with your tax preparer to see exactly what your returns would look like if you put your money on the Roth side of things. So you have a good opportunity to put money over on the Roth side and it not hurt you at all. It's a great position to be in.
6: So when I start putting money on the Roth, let's say 50-50, at the time taxes come, I will have, let me see, less or more?
2: You'll uh, get less of a refund. Okay. because you've you've you you're being taxed on more because remember the roth contribution is after tax money that's going in okay okay so Wonderful. so yeah it sounds sounds like you have a good opportunity to to do that really do you okay. work with a tax okay. preparer yes yeah just talk to him or her about it and then they'll tell you you know look if you put this much in on the roth then you're going to get this type of of a, of a of a tax return or maybe none at all so so, but at the end of the day, you still have to weigh where you want to be when it comes to tax allocation planning in your retirement years. Right now, it sounds like all of your money that you've saved has never been taxed. So think about the dollars that you have saved right now. You can control 100 percent of those investments, but you only own about 65, maybe 70 percent of those dollars because whenever you pull that money out, you have to pay taxes on it.
6: Yeah. May I ask you one more question? Sure, um, the last caller um asked you a question about the something endowment for because I have a mortgage uh, that is probably empty, um, i refinanced and things like that, and I have twenty five years to go and maybe ten to retire, so that's one of my concerns so that uh suggestion you gave her some interesting um
2: Yes, we talked about how to prepay down your mortgage and doing prepayments into the mortgage, um, bi-weekly payment plans, also a mortgage endowment program. But Olivia, it sounds like to me that you should probably get a financial plan built. You've got some tax allocation strategies that you need to look at, let alone the investments inside your 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 457 plans, but you also have to take a look at the um uh, the way that you can best prepay down your mortgage over 10 years, knowing that there's 25 years left on the mortgage itself. So if you like, I'll put you on hold. We'll be happy to send you out our financial planning toolkit. I'll have one of our advisors reach out to you and start you down the road of constructing a financial plan for yourself, okay?
6: Yes, thank you so yep, much.
2: Let me go ahead and put you on hold. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855 855- Seven six seven three one two three. 3123. I have a few minutes left here in the show, and I'll be happy to stay in the studio and answer any of your questions off the air after the show. Give us a call again, 855 five, five, Rose 123 or 855 five, 767 3123. Chris, I'm going to just punt this uh, uh, subject of marrying a spender and a saver <laughs> to next week because we just chicken, have a few moments left chicken. in the show because <laughs> it is a very important topic uh, for, for young, new married people. Figuring it all out, combining the checkbooks touchy, and things though. like that. You know, how comfortable is one person with debt versus the other person who's not? You know, yeah, it's a good. What answer. are your ideas of saving? What are your ideas of risk in the markets? You know, all that kind of stuff. Do you want to save for a house, college, a motorcycle? What is it that you want to try to save for? We're going to be talking about that next week on the show. But before we go, Chris, Uh-oh. I'm going to go
3: ahead and hit. I you think up I want to go back to the pundit questions.
2: Federal Reserve interest rate quiz today. Uh. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So which of the following interest rates is directly controlled by the Federal Reserve's Open Market Committee, known as the FOMC? Is it the prime rate, the Fed funds rate, hint, hint, mortgage rates, or all of the above? Got to be the Fed funds rate. There you go. The Federal Open Market Committee (laughs) uh, directly controls the Fed funds rate, which is the overnight lending rate that banks go to each other. The Federal Reserve typically raises and raises interest rates to control inflation and lowers rates to help accelerate growth. Is that correct or incorrect? That is correct. That is right. Because they do lower
3: rates to when the when we stimulate the economy. When we get
2: uh, uh, inflation into the system, the Fed is going to raise interest rates, and why does that work? So suppose it—you know it's July here. Suppose you said, well, I'm going to buy a new car at Christmas, and I really want to get this new car, and the financing on the car is going to run 400 bucks a month, but when interest rates go up, your financing might go to 450 a month, and you might say, you know what? I'm going to keep my car for another year. So it just sort of slows down commerce a little bit, which slows down the rate or threat of re- inflation. And that's what happens there. Uh, the stock market tends to applaud higher interest rates, true or false? Hmm. Uh, applaud? What do you mean by yes. that? Yes. Yeah, like, you know. Applaud. Chris, you're saved by the bell. Let's welcome Jack <laughs> on the line from Springfield. Good morning, Jack. How are you today?
1: Uh, pretty good, sir. How are you?
2: I'm well. How can I help you?
1: So um, I-, I had two questions, sir. Um where do first up, where do most people who retire get their income or money to spend on, because they're technically unemployed, right?
2: Well, yeah, they're not working. That means they're unemployed. However, they're that when somebody's retired, it doesn't count in the unemployment numbers. It it it, it counts in the um, uh, sort of the age participation. Uh, but, but, yeah, so they get their money from social security pensions and their own savings and investments
1: okay um and uh the second question, so when uh how smart would it be to buy some property and then rent it out and have the people
5: pay off the mortgage for you
2: that's a very good thing, very good strategy to do, Jack, you know uh real estate provides a very good stream of income. The, the best pensionable type stream of income from real estate is to have a, a home paid for and somebody renting it from you. That way you're getting you know, free income. Think about this. Let's suppose you bought a house and the mortgage on it, just to do math easy here, is, is $2,000 a month. And you've got a renter in there paying you the $2,000 a month. And now one day that house is paid for, and the renter's still in there paying you $2,000 a month. So essentially they've paid off the mortgage for you, and now you're getting that free cash flow of $2,000 a month. So, so that's. Are there, sort
1: of... are there any roadblocks to doing that? Because that, I feel like that would be a bit too easy because then everyone would just buy property and rent it out.
2: Sure, there's all kinds of roadblocks to that. What happens if we go into a recession, which we will one day again? Then, your renters could actually lose their job. What happens if the renter decides to move to arkansas now you 've got a property that 's vacant and you 've got to find another renter then you 've got you 've got upkeep and maintenance and all kinds of scenarios going on there so you know i 've helped people out over the years build out financial plans in, in building out real estate investment portfolios like that and i 'll be happy to help you i 'll give you some discussion on that as well so Jack, let me put you on hold here real quick. We're coming down to the last few moments of the show. I'll stay in studio and finish our discussion, okay? Let me just close out the show, and I'll be right back to you. Appreciate the phone call. By the way, we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show, on July 8th. Wishing everyone a happy birthday to America. Happy Fourth of July. Have a wonderful, safe, long weekend. So, for Bob in the back and Chris McKay and WAVA, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful 4th of July weekend, and we'll see you next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense.
0: Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's.